Hello, welcome to the Inland Sessions podcast. This is our opportunity to share conversations with regional artists about themselves, their passions, and their work. I am your host, Zana Morrow. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to Inland Sessions. This is our podcast. Uh, we are speaking today with Jason Perry. He was in our studio not too long ago. Yeah, um, I am a, I'm a musician. It's been a pleasure of mine to do so in Spokane for the last eight years. Um, I've, I've had a lot of really wonderful opportunities to play with people that I dearly appreciate. Um, genre has never been an impediment of mine, so it's been a treat to get to learn from so many wonderful people in our area and in the last few years um, established myself as a solo artist as well once more not being particularly confined by genres so i I love playing by myself on an acoustic guitar and uh, i've also got a wonderful quartet that plays a lot of funk rock and play with the 10-piece group the uh, the evergreen afro dub orchestra that does a lot of world music do you you've got a lot of projects going on yeah, um, I, I, I get I get bored quickly, like even if I'm just working on the same stuff for too long. So it's always really fun for me to go as hard as I can in one direction for as long as it's interesting and then just leave it there and go find something else that's beautiful. So how did you get interested in music? What really started you on this pathway? Um, I saw Hendrix playing at Woodstock when I was 16. And I was really into Guitar Hero at the time, and I saw him moving his fingers, and I was like, you know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's doing it cooler, but I think I can move my fingers that fast, and I'd always loved guitar music. And so that was kind of the start, and then uh, around the time I was 18 or 19, I got my heart broken, as every good 18 and 19-year-old does, and uh, then music got a lot more real to me. And it's been endlessly fascinating and comforting to, to find all of the things that music can be to us in whatever way we need it to be. So that realization of, uh, oh, that is what music is for. Yeah, it's it's for those dark nights of the soul. And I mean, it's, it's so many times it's been the only thing that could bring me back to anything resembling sanity. And, and thankfully, sometimes it lets me leave something that resembles sanity and go to a prettier place, too. The music you write. Yeah. What was your first song that you wrote? I started writing just about the time I started playing. So I started playing when I was 16, and it, surprisingly enough, I never thought I'd write music, but it, it just happened. I was just living some life and going through some hard things, and I, I found that none of the songs that I knew how to sing from other artists encapsulated those, and so I'd better just say my own stuff. Um, so that, that was the start point. What's happened in the intervening time, especially in the last few years, has been really surprising to me. Because uh, oftentimes before we do something, we'll, we'll think of how it should be. And we'll set some ideas about, okay, you know, I'm going to write these songs that'll have a nice hook and, you know, a good chorus. And, and I play a lot of music in clubs. And so, you know, I've figured, okay, I'm to do some upbeat stuff that's danceable and, you know, okay. And, and you end up doing that a couple of times, and that's, and that's great. Those are good songs. What's been fascinating to me is, is holding space for the songs that need to be written, too. Um, just as much as it's great to have a good single. You know, I, I've been so interested in, in, like, track eight, the song that nobody planned on writing. It wasn't part of the conception of the album, but 
it presented itself so insistently that you couldn't leave it alone. How was music in your family? Was it encouraged? Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I had piano lessons for about six months, maybe a year when I was in elementary school, which was delightfully formative, but it was also very instructive on how not to teach. <laughs> it's, it's endlessly ironic to me that I, I, music has been my, my day job for the last four and a half years. I've been so deeply committed to it for the last eight to ten and yet that same person very stridently quit piano lessons. I've never met anybody that was thrilled to learn Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> Nobody ever got stoked about that. It's, it's so ironic to me that we teach music as if it were just another subject. And it was just mathematics and, well, you know, you got to learn to add and subtract before you learn to multiply and divide and you're just going to go through this logical process. It's art. It's not logical, and, and that's the joy of it. it. It's wonderful to learn these things. Music theory is endlessly important and useful, but it just seems like there's so much space in the arts to educate from a place of passion and enthusiasm and nurturing the path. But thankfully, music was supported in my family, so even once I left that, everybody was cool to let me do my thing, and I stepped away from it for many years until I came back to it. And thankfully, my old man had some good taste. What did it mean to you? Did you did you recognize that support in your family for all this time and energy you were putting into music? Absolutely not. I, I did not recognize it at the time at all. It's it's so funny how a lot of the best gifts that are given to us aren't realized until later. Um, so it's it's really only been you know in in my later twenties that I started to look back and realize just how wonderful my support system was. Uh, they, they've been absolutely tremendous. My, my old man was, was such a good supporter of my music that when I was 20 and I had just dropped out of college and I decided I was going to be a musician, he told me it was a terrible idea. And he was right. He goes, you know, Jason, I've seen a lot of really great musicians fail at it and you're not as good as them. So what are you going to do? And, and, you know, it's heartbreaking at the time to hear those things, but it was so honest and it was so true that, that it was a really great time to question, well, he's, he's not wrong, so if we are going to do this, I, I, I better be really good. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes even hearing those hard things can be sweetly supportive. Being uh, how, how uh, supportive honesty is. Yeah. Even if it's hard. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's honesty. <laughs> <laughs> so he told you not to do it, but he wasn't going to stop you either. Exactly. And, uh, and you know, it, I, I failed plenty of times. Um, you know, when he said that I had just gotten my first weekly gig, I was living in Moscow, Idaho, and I was making a whole $50 a night. I was, I was pretty big time. You know, it, it was good to be reminded that, it, it really doesn't mean anything. So many times success is just a happenstance and a circumstance. And, you know, those things will go away. So they did many times, but thankfully I, I also had a wonderful work ethic modeled in my parents. And so, uh, you know, persistence goes a long way. So what about the side of turning music and this art into a business, turning passion ah. into business and the emotional and mental roadblocks in the way and financial yeah well I mean that is a whole thing one of one of the most beautiful things I've come to realize as as I've been at this for the years is that every time I would like to be a better musician or be a more successful person I should really just become a better person 
And, and so I'm so grateful that making it in the arts is so often in alignment with just being a good person. I was in sales for many years, and, and they were diametrically opposed. If I wanted to get better at it, I had to compromise some very serious things. So on, on that lens of it, finding the way to make this work has been beautiful because it just comes down to being reliable, um, being a useful member of a community. And so I've gotten to do a lot of really interesting things like host open mic nights, host songwriter nights, host jam nights. And in all of these things, you know, you just you learn a lot of patience for other people. You realize that if anybody's going to deal with you, it also requires a lot of patience. And, and you know, you just, you just keep showing up and trying to make it work and do something that's useful to people. A lot of things can exist in isolation, and you can make art in isolation, and a lot of times it does get made there. But, you know, I, I like to remind myself that this is for people. This is for me, and it has to be for me, because if it's not, then it's useless. But it has to also be for them. And, and I think that's been really useful. But you didn't talk about money at all. <laughs> yeah, if you're focused <laughs> on money, it ain't going to work out. Oh, man. So, so I was in business school before I dropped out. And, and the teacher once said, what's the goal of every business? And, and everybody in the class droned back that it was to create value for the shareholders. And I raised my hand and I said, what if the goal of a business was to provide value to people? Wouldn't, wouldn't then all of the value come downstream? But if we were really just focused on being useful to people, wouldn't that be a proper orientation? And I was told that I was wrong. But in practice, it's, it's been very useful. And, you know, a, a, another thing on that last point of, of you know, making it, mm -hmm. it, it's so beautiful to me how the arts community is such a community. It, there's been so many sweet times where I've gotten to play on other people's music and, and get to be there for it. And, 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 you know, I think that's always been the process um, in, in all of the groups I've been in, is, is just being around and just having a sympathetic vibration. You know, there's, there's so much mutual gratitude for all that we've gotten to share, especially in these last four years. It's, it's, it's been such a treat to be in meaningful connection with so many people. Amongst musicians, we all have those dominant aspirations to, to get to somewhere, to build something that's at a level. And unfortunately, that ambition is, is shared or at least understood. And, and that it's not a transactional thing. I'm not going to do this so that I can get blank and it's, and it's just a very X for X equation. It's really just a, a, a thing of getting to be meaningful in people's lives, that, that we all get to share something if not profound, then at least deep and honest about ourselves. And, and I mean, isn't that really what art is? And, and to get to be in that space with others, it's, it's so intrinsically gratifying that the fact that anything flows downstream from it is just staggeringly beautiful. If you're willing to talk about the people that have supported you and also the people who maybe made it harder than it needed to be, including yourself. Yeah. Well, thankfully, there's a lot of both to draw from, um, particularly because I didn't pick up much of an education in music. I took a couple of music classes in school. I had a little bit of piano, but it's largely been uh, an oral tradition education. So, I mean, the people that have made it easier have just been tremendous gems of humanity, 
tremendously trained and experienced musicians that I've learned more just from standing next to in, in the times that they will choose to say something that's honest and uncomfortable, but, but to couch it kindly so that it's, it's not a character attack. It's just a statement of what is and what could be better. And, and I've never seen anybody get rubbed the wrong way when it's, when it's done that way, which has been a lesson in itself. And, and then to get to stand next to these people and see the notes that they choose, the energy that they come to it with, the integrity, the dignity that they put into their instrument and into their expression. I mean, that's a perpetual lesson. And so I'm endlessly grateful for them and, and, and you know, the bandmates that I've had that have just been so supportive of no matter what direction we want to go or, or, or what kind of shape the art is taking, to just be on the ride and, and to just show up every time and be supportive, find their way to push the thing forward. I mean, it's the Jason Perry band, but the band should really be in capital letters because it is by the grace of these wonderful men that surround me that, that I get to do what we do. But on the other end of that, there's all the people that aren't in the band anymore and it's it's funny how rare it is a, a, a musical disagreement because if it's good it's good and everybody can get on board with that it's it's just a shame to see so many people's I, I hate this word but it's useful it, it, to see everybody's trauma just keep coming back in the things that they do so you know there's the people that drank too much and so they just couldn't hang there's the people that couldn't show up prepared because when it came time to do the work at home, their anxiety would override them. There's the people that have, have tried to lead but could never believe enough in their own vision for anybody else to believe in it. That one happens a lot. It's, it's, it's so tragic to me how many wonderful, wonderful artists there are that just can't get it together enough because they, they know they've failed so many times and so to muster up the Herculean hope that it takes to drive forward because it takes so long to get a thing going and it's horrible at the beginning and so it just requires such a deep reserve of hope and belief and, and, and just stubborn inclination towards beauty. It, it's, it's harrowing. And, and it really makes it all the more fascinating than anything ever does work out for an extended period of time to keep people together with the same vision and the same mission. It's an endlessly fascinating sociological experiment that is at least as difficult as the musical endeavor. <laughs> the sea change of bands getting together, recording a little bit, breaking up, or just just playing for a little bit and never recording and how much chemistry is involved in a band that can work for even a year together. Yeah. And, and especially, I mean, I think in the arts, it's always this way to some extent, but, but around here when nobody's getting famous, nobody's making a fortune, some make a living and some are lucky enough to even break even because that's a daunting task. And so, you know, all of these endeavors that are put together and all the energy people put into this is so under-reciprocated that, I mean, if you were to just think about it, it doesn't make sense. Why would a person give up every Sunday to go sit in a room for three hours with a bunch of other cranky people that are all dealing with their own lives 
and aren't being and aren't getting enough in return for it. We're all going to have disagreements about what's right, and and our shortcomings as individuals and as musicians are going to come forth. We're all going to try to hold each other's hands and work through it. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking, sincerely. And so why would we do it? But there is that thing of, of when there's that spark of brotherhood or sisterhood or togetherness and, and there is a shared vision for just beauty, then it sustains us. And I mean, that, that's just so far beyond logic. It's, it's beautiful in itself. Amazing how satisfying and how much it pays back when it does work. Deeply. I mean, after after a good show, I mean the the buzz that we all carry for days or weeks with us, I mean that that's worth it all. Not to mention getting to hear something beautiful played back to you and knowing that you were a part of it. The people we get to meet, I mean, it's it's enough to 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 put one's life towards. So where do you find the energy and the motivation to plow so hard at this? Where does that reserve come in you? I mean, there, there's, a, there's several layers of it. Um, I think the most fundamental is the joy that I get every morning after I have my coffee and after I read and I pick up my guitar and I play for an hour or two. I've been so overwhelmingly heartened that no matter how real the grind is or how disappointing the circumstances are, the sanctity of that joy has never been compromised. So... If I get to do that every day, cool, man. It, you know, if there's going to be some juice, there's going to be some squeeze. So, so that's the most fundamental level. And then there's the draw on all those, those sleepless nights. You know, what do I do? I pick up my guitar and play. And so there's always this artistic, therapeutic expression substrate to all of it. And, and so that, that, that's the foundation but then what, what keeps it going during the hard times is, is there's always something ne- ahead of me. There's always something next, keeping a, a clear idea of what I'm working towards and how beautiful and how enriching that will be. But the one that I really love to remind myself of on the hard days is how much being the assistant manager of Zoomies just really killed me. <laughs> and so when it's really hard and I start to pity myself, about woe is me because nobody's showing up and and people aren't doing what they said they were going to do and even when they do it's not as good as we would have hoped it would be and and you know this fell apart and that fell apart I always like to remind myself hey man there's plenty of jobs out there that are hiring you can always go be the assistant manager in retail again and that'll normally sober me up pretty quick to to just get back to the work because no matter what there's going to be work one of your traits that you were talking about was that you're kind of endlessly curious and you'll follow something to the end and then uh, change focus yeah. pretty quickly. How does that end up, you know, I'm sure not everyone is on that same page with you. Sure. Well, well, fortunately, <laughs> that, that curiosity manifests itself more so in the practice space than it does specifically in my, my professional obligations. You know, um, I, I've been in a group for four or five years now. It's the Evergreen Afro Dub Orchestra. And I'm really grateful that it, it contrasts most of my professional spaces where normally I'm leading something and I'm out in front making the decisions. In this, I get to be a support member. So it, at various times in the last four or five years, I've been really enthused with that music 
get really deep into it, transcribe a bunch of it, be listening to it everywhere, be whistling, dissecting it, deconstructing it, figuring out what the pieces are and why they're beautiful and how they all fit together to make something bigger. And I've done that for a couple of months at a time, a few times. And then it's not interesting to me. Now, I still keep showing up to that group, and I still keep remembering all of those beautiful things. But I'll veer off into jazz or bluegrass because it's totally different. So there's all these different musical lessons in that. And, and that's where I think having a diversified artistic portfolio has really made it sustainable to me. Because you can go hang out for a few hours and play the music with the boys and be remembered of how beautiful, be reminded of how beautiful it is. But then, yeah, man, you know, if you ate the same meal every day, it wouldn't taste that good. But it's always good to come back to. It's the contrast and diversity. Truly. Okay. Could you share some highlights, like things where a show or a moment of being a musician really caught you completely? Yeah. Man, there's so many different ways that that manifests itself. So to pick a couple... um, I've gotten to be with bandmates um, after divorces and, and deaths in the family and, and the endless tragedies that we all go through. And we still showed up that day. And we still, I'm going to say went to work, but we went to work on the music. And so we've had gigs these days I'm thinking of. And to get to see somebody grieve, to get to see somebody work out the existential pain that none of us are going to outrun and to get to do that in a shared context so that we all get to be there for each other doing it we get to talk about it on the way there we get to work it out on stage god knows i've had my moments with my own catastrophes and the fact that we get to share that all that that's that's an endless reprieve from from the existential pain and dread and thankfully those moments are so internal that they still happen even even when you know the the show breaks even because three people showed up that stuff doesn't matter on those days because we get to be humans together and i mean that's that's why it's always worth it because even when it's not good it's still great and perhaps it's even better on the days where it's hard. And I mean, I, I, there's some great moments too. You know, we, we played up in Sandpoint last week and the place was packed out and everybody was dancing and singing along. I was up on Schweitzer earlier that afternoon playing and it was just endlessly beautiful. But it's those moments that have a little bite in them. that They're almost sweeter because they're so sour. Well, that's beautiful. I mean, what is beauty? What, what is the human impulse towards beauty? What, what function does it serve? What is it comprised of? These are unanswerable questions. But, but the fact that they mean so much, that, that means everything. Well, can I ask about, we're just going to make a hard lift. Oh, yeah. And we're going to come back to Earth just for a little bit, which is, um, could you tell me about your experience at Inland Sessions and what it was like for you and just what it felt like. felt like I'd finally done something with my life. <laughs> um, to get to be a part of it was so deeply gratifying. Just to walk into the space. And I mean, how many people were there that day? Like 12, 
I mean, how many? How big is that staff? Yeah, yeah, it's twelve to fourteen people. Yeah, for a recording. To breathe in the fact that there were twelve to fourteen people there to capture what we were doing. That's that's so. Uh, it's sincerely honoring to to see that that the art is is given such credence that that many people would be there to look up and to see the hundreds of, of lighting points that you guys have up there um, to, to really breathe in how many cameras there are, what a professional production this is, how kind everybody was that was helping us, uh, how not only professional but sweet the experience was. And, and to, to tie that to this arduous endeavor that we've all been engaging in, which, which is to, to propagate the music, to understand that that those two things would go together was so deeply gratifying. It was tremendous. It sincerely is. From our side, we have two packed weeks, and I think we recorded seven people. But during that week, even though we're all working very, very hard, very long days during those two weeks, is it's like it's also the absolute most fun. And to make sure that artists are being acknowledged for their um, different professional leaps and where they want to go and their aspirations. So could you tell me a little bit more about your aspirations? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so funny because, again, there's always so many layers to this. Um, this spring, um, my band got to play the Moscow Hemp Fest. And we played at John's Alley in Moscow that night. And as we were driving down there, uh, a couple of the guys in my band were like, you know, so, so what, where are you really trying to get? And I was like, guys, this is it. I mean, when I hatched this dream 10 years ago, just, just doing this, just being with people that I appreciate and making music that we love and getting to do it at this layer, I'm good. And at one layer, I am. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I look to venues like, like Red Rocks and The Gorge and uh, and I mean those are always going to be aspirations. And as I look towards um, the immediate future, just going down to New Orleans and just being established in that community and getting to play with people that I revere um, is an aspiration. And I hope to find uh, my own band in in ballrooms, you know, touring around the country, just living the ragged dream to to make something beautiful every night. How does your family? And your friends think about this, this crazy dream. <laughs> and I said crazy in a good way. Yeah, no, it's it's absurd. Um, thankfully, I am too, so it, it fits well enough. Um, I, I think the the sweetest encapsulation of that is uh, I'm, I'm 31 now, and back when I was like 24, my parents, my siblings, my grandma would always say, "Man, it's just so great that you're doing this while you're young," you know. You're not tied down yet. This is great. Go do this. And after a while, they just quit saying while you're young. <laughs> is so. Uh, yeah, you know. Um, there, there's, there's so many contrasting feelings. You know, my my family, as I am, is sincerely uh, heartbroken that, that I'm moving 2,500 miles away. You know, when I when I told my mom, she just said, "Do you have to go so far?" I just said I wish I didn't because I, I feel you. I'm I'm with you. I don't I don't want to do this. But but as I've taken stock of what the aspiration is and and they've understood it too, 
um, there really becomes something beautiful, that there's something that's worth sacrificing for. And, and as we so often find in sacrifices, we get more back than we gave to it. And thankfully, that's, that's been true for me here, and I have hope it will be elsewhere. So where do you find that inner push to get you over all of these challenges? Listening to your dreams is, it's, is a very real challenge. There's a few places. There's, there's the hope in how beautiful it can be and the belief that that'll be worth it. But there's also a deep fear in not getting there. I, I have a deep fear of, of not getting to do the things that I've set out to do and, and to be at an older station in life and have not at least tried. I'm really cool with trying and failing and finding where I slot in and, and just be able to eke it out in whatever way that looks like. As long as the music's there, I'm fine with that. But, but I've seen so many people that I'm close to and that I've learned a lot from, musicians I really respect that didn't take those leaps. And to see the way that it slowly eats at a person, to watch all of their hopes just fall through their fingers like sand. And then what a person starts to think of themselves after they've let it go through their fingers. It's really tough to do anything good after you experience that. And so I figure the, the pain that is going for it is much less than the pain of not. And so, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy the ticket. I'll take the ride. Could you look the listener in the eye right now? That listener who is wondering what their next step should be, who's been thinking about their dreams but are worried about their next step, who are feeling alone in their decision, what would you tell them? You never get to know what the next right move is. So don't worry about not knowing what the next move is. Just take one 